You are listening to episode 14 of Captain's Share, a trader's tale from the golden age of the Solar Clipper. Written and read by Nathan Lowell. Chapter 38. The Deep Dark. 2372, March 21st. For me, the twenty-odd stands of programmed burn went by in nail-biting uncertainty. I tried not to look nervous in front of the crew, and being on watch meant the only one I was exposed to for any serious amount of time was Mr. Hill. While we were maneuvering under programmed thrust on a ballistic trajectory, there really wasn't much for Helm to do, but regulation said he needed to be on the bridge, so he kept me company and worked on his cargo exam. We did keep an extra screen open for long-range scan. It wasn't likely that we'd meet another ship head-on or even be T-boned by a ship coming across our course on a double jump to the other pair of ports, but it didn't hurt to watch. It's rare to see even one other ship on long-range once you're out of port more than a week or so. We saw two in the short time we were sliding past Odin's outpost, not including the smaller craft that seemed to be coming and going from the outpost itself. What do you suppose they're doing in there, Mr. Hill? Mr. Paul thinks they're pirates, Skipper. What do you think, Mr. Hill? They look like fast packets, Skipper. I'd bet on casino junkets. Why casinos, Mr. Hill? Gambling's legal on all the systems around here. Yes, Skipper, but not in Grail or on Fisher. Those are both in range of a fast packet. Yeah, but why jump way out here? He shrugged. Exotic destination for people with disposable income. I bet there's a lot of people who are in it for the adventure. You know, they run these junkets on the quiet, even out of Diurnia. And I'd bet he has a pleasure dome in there, too, fully stocked with hot and cold running pleasure, all untaxed and unregulated by the Confederated Planets Joint Committee on Everything. And plenty of room to dispose of the bodies, eh, Mr. Hill? He shrugged again. There can't be too many, or authorities will begin to notice, but who's to say, Skipper? The ultimate free port... So it would seem, Captain, but free is a matter of opinion. That's an interesting observation, Mr. Hill. Some see fences as keeping danger out, Skipper. Others see the same fences keeping them in. And you, Mr. Hill? He grinned up at me. Yo-ho-ho, ho, Skipper. <laughs> Indeed, Mr. Hill. I straightened from the screen and looked out at the ice-cold sheets of darkness all around. Odin's outpost was too far away to pick up with the naked eye, but there were plenty of glittery lights to look at. How's Mr. Ricks doing as morale officer, Mr. Hill? Fine, I guess, sir. He hasn't had a lot of opportunity to do much. Well, how's morale holding up? We had a short stay, and liberty was cut short on both ends. He looked up at me under an upraised brow. Not as bad as it might be if there weren't so many credits stapled to the after bulkhead, Skipper and the shares we got in Welliver are the biggest I think we've ever seen. I turned to look aft at the cans, glittering dully in the reflection of our running lights. The shares on these should be two or three times that, Mr. Hill. He got a kind of sideways smile on his face. Trust me, Skipper, every single one of us is aware of that. You primed the pump on the first one. The biggest problem you're going to have after this is how do we top it? We rode along in companionable silence for a while, watching the dark, letting the chronometer click over. The programmed burns of the thrusters flashed out of the dark periodically as the repeated small kicks curved our course the few points we needed to open a hole to slide through. So how did it really go with the co-op, Mr. Hill? He laughed. If I'm going to be your spy skipper, I want to raise. 
I looked at him. You're right, Mr. Hill. It's unfair of me to put you in that position. We have the coincidence of propinquity, and I used that unfairly. I withdraw the question, Mr. Hill, with respect. Thank you for calling me on it. He was right. It was unfair of me to lean on the power of relationship and the forced contact that we shared as watch section. The chronometer clicked over a few more times. You know, Skipper, that co-op thing was a good idea. The settlement to the Agamemnon account looked reasonable. Did you all do as well personally? I can't speak for the others, Captain, but I did pretty well. We do need to look at our cargo mix. We've got a lot of things that aren't really suited to the flea market. We'll need to cut our losses on those and turn them over for goods that work better. Understandable, Mr. Hill. Different markets move different goods. Eventually, the chronometer ticked around enough to chew through the 22 stand course adjustment. I called for navigation stations at 0830, and the crew responded with a will. When we were all settled in our stations, I turned to Mr. Paul. Double-check on location velocity, if you please, Mr. Paul. I'm double-checking now, Captain. Ms. Thomas was scanning the immediate locale to make sure we were clear. We'd crossed the main east-west lane sometime in the night. That was falling off behind us, along with Odin's outpost. Location verified, Captain. Vector adjustment still needs two more kicks to finish the cycle. Time to completion, Mr. Paul. About 17 ticks, Skipper. Should be on track to jump at 0852. Set it up, Mr. Paul. I'm getting a hankering to see someplace else. Miss Thomas added her part to what was becoming our little ritual. Did you have any place in mind, Captain? I think I'd like to drop these cans in jet, Miss Thomas. Mr. Paul, did you hear the Captain? I did, Miss Thomas. I think I can help with that. He stopped tapping. Jump locked and ready, Miss Thomas. Thank you, Mr. Paul. Please let me know when the thruster sequence is completed. Aye, aye, sir. I'll report the instant it does. Captain, the chief reports we are ready to jump on your signal. Burleson tribes are online and ready. Thank you, Ms. Thomas. There are no pirates crawling up over the cans at the moment, are there? She actually turned to look, and I had to suppress a chuckle. Not that I can see from this vantage point, Captain. We seem to be clear of pirates, Mr. Paul. Thank you, Captain, and I appreciate your checking. One can't be too careful. We canned the jocularity as the colonel clicked closer. I could hear the vibration of the thruster motors in the frame of the ship. Not so much a sound as a feeling. There wasn't really anything to hear in the vacuum of space, but the mechanisms were mounted solidly to the ship's skeleton, and the movement of the plasma through the nozzle produced a vibration that I could hear. Suddenly, it was gone. Program thruster sequence completed, Miss Thomas. Thank you, Mr. Paul. I see the board is green for jump, Captain. Ship is ready. Ready about, Mr. Paul. Hardily. He mashed the key, and the ship jumped. I was gratified to see the view on the forward armor glass change to include a very bright point of light, almost dead center ahead. Ms. Thomas called it as soon as the screens registered. Welcome to Jet, Captain. Mr. Paul was silent, but he was hammering on his keys. I did not like the look on his face, but I didn't joggle his elbow. Ms. Thomas finished her scan. No proximity alarms, Captain. Nothing unusual on long range. Thank you, Ms. Thomas. Mr. Paul stopped hammering. Location locked and verified, Captain. He looked up at me with a stricken expression. I'm sorry, Skipper. We jumped short by two percent. Miss Thomas stepped out from behind her console so she could see Mr. Paul directly. How short is that, Mr. Paul? Our current ETA is April 12th, Miss Thomas. How much over will we be, Mr. Paul? Thirty-three standard hours, Skipper. I sat back in my chair and closed my eyes to think. A day and a half on a 21-day run. Ms. Thomas, 
My compliments to the chief engineer, and would she come to the bridge as soon as she has the sails up and the keel out? Aye, aye, Captain. She tapped a few keys and waited. Five ticks, Skipper. She's on final spin-up now. The first sails came up almost instantly, and the keel extended shortly after. Helm, report steerage way. Mr. Schubert answered almost immediately. Ship responding to Helm, Captain. I turned to Miss Thomas. Anything else we need to do, Miss Thomas? Nothing I can think of, Skipper. Then secure from navigation stations, Miss Thomas. Resume normal watch. Securing from navigation stations and resume normal watch. Aye, aye, Skipper. The word went out, and within a tick, Mr. Hill came bounding up the ladder, and we traded watches off once more. Mr. Hill and I had the watch until noon, when first section would take over. I glanced at the chronometer. 0943. You've got two stands if you'd like to grab a quick nap, Miss Thomas. I'd rather hear what the chief has to say, Skipper. I'd rather you did too, Gwen. Thanks for staying up. As if on cue, Chief Gearhart came scampering up the stairs. You rang, Skipper? It was the little girl, but there was sapphire just under the surface. We're short by roughly a day and a half, Chief. We need a plan to get those days back. The news registered with a brief flickering in the eyes, but her mask stayed on. Sure thing, Captain. Mr. Paul, can you put our projected course on the drop-down so we can all see it, please? A repeater screen hanging from the overhead immediately lit up with the schematic of the system and our projected plot through it. All eyes went to it. Give me the two-credit tour, Mr. Paul. What are we looking at? Least distance path from here to there, Skipper. He swung in his seat to look up with the rest of us. It wasn't a smooth curve, but instead had a few bumps and corrections in it. Run the plot timeline for us, Mr. Paul. A small blip appeared on the screen as it moved along the projected line. The reasons for some of the bumps became obvious as planets, or sometimes just moons, slipped into the pathway. The timestamp on the top became a counter as we watched the days melt away, ending with the ship in the orbital in the same place at the same time on the afternoon of April 12th. We need that date to be April 10th, people. I looked around. How do we do it? The chief had walked up to peer into the screen, and even Miss Thomas was staring at it. I was startled to hear the chief speak. It wasn't the little girl. Acceleration is multiplicative. If we can even find 5% more now, it'll pay big dividends in the end. Mr. Paul jerked in his chair and stared at her for a heartbeat and a half before diving into his screen again. Miss Thomas seemed not to have noticed. Can you give us more sail, chief? I saw the back of the chief's head move as she nodded. Yes, Miss Thomas, I can, and that'll help a bit. The girls have some governors on them, but I can override it if I need to. We can't run them that way for long, but maybe as much as a couple of days here where every meter per second matters. It'll help, but I don't think it'll be enough. I grabbed at the straw. Parameters, Chief? Maybe 10% more sail for 48 stands? It'll depend on sailing conditions, of course, but all other things being equal, it should be something on that order of magnitude, Skipper. Factor that in if you would, Mr. Paul. Plotting now, Captain. He punched a few more keys, and the plot on the overhead shifted. Run it, Mr. Paul. He punched it, and the clock ran up again. The course took slightly different curves, but the same objects offered similar obstacles to our path. The icon reached the orbital, and the clock read April 11th, near the end of the day. Better, but not enough. Miss Thomas turned to look at me. That's least distance. Can we do least time? Mr. Paul looked over at her. They should be the same, shouldn't they? She shook her head. No, Mr. Paul. If we can find a longer path that gives us better wind or takes advantage of a gravity well to slingshot us, we may go further but arrive quicker. The chief cocked her head slightly. 
we're coming in awfully close to the ecliptic. If we could get above it by even a few hundred thousand clicks, we'd have a more stable flow. She turned to look at me, and the little girl was gone, and the chief stood revealed in the middle of the bridge. There was a look of excitement in the sapphire and the lean eagerness in her stance that had nothing to do with little girls. Or below it, Captain. She stretched up an arm and pointed at an object that was coming toward us on one of the outer orbital bands. It was close, but the plot took us clear before it would cross our path. A small label identified it as a planetoid named Last Chance. If we alter course to intercept this rock, can we slingshot on the gravity well and drop under the ecliptic? Mr. Paul had turned his head to look at what she was pointing to. From my angle, I couldn't see his face, but he stiffened in his seat. You've got to be kidding me. She turned to look at him. No, Mr. Paul. If we can graze it, it should give us a nice boost in base velocity and have us heading down. When we reach better wind, we should be able to pick up even more velocity and the sails will have better bite. But that's going to add a huge amount of distance to the track, Chief. I interrupted. Plot it, Mr. Paul. Let's see what she's got. He shrugged and turned to hammer his keys a bit. A bit turned into rather a long time. Sorry, Captain. This isn't the normal course. Take your time, Mr. Paul. We were so used to having things done immediately that even a few ticks delay seemed long. Eventually, the plot refreshed and the corkscrew pattern was revealed. Miss Thomas whistled in appreciation. That's a long way to the barn, isn't it? The projected distance on the plot was almost half again longer. Run it, Mr. Paul. He mashed a key and the icon representing the ship skewed around until it was running almost at the planetoid. It passed very close and looped down very sharply. A wide curve back toward the primary and a very smooth curve deposited the ship in orbital on April 11th at midday. Miss Thomas shook her head. So close. I could see the chief stiffen. Mr. Paul, if you would rerun it and zoom in on the flyby, please. He did it without my having to tell him, and I watched closely to see what the chief was looking at. The view focused on the curve, and as the icon passed the planetoid, the chief barked, Freeze it! Mr. Paul's hand twitched and the frame stopped. What's our closest approach, Mr. Paul? Four diameters, Chief. She stepped back from the screen and folded her arms across her chest, still staring. She stood that way for a full tick. She finally turned, just her head, to look at him. Can we get any closer, Billy? He grimaced. Sails that close to the planet? If there's enough iron in it and we drag a sail across it. She winced turned her face back to the plot. What if we didn't have sales, Skipper? That was Mr. Schubert. His voice startled me. I'd overlooked the fact that he'd stayed on the bridge after the watch had been relieved. All heads snapped to face him where he was leaning against the ladder railing. No sails, Mr. Schubert. Yes, Captain. If we want to get closer, the turbulence around that rock is going to be pretty ugly anyway. I'm not sure I'd like to try to sail it, even at four diameters. If we go ballistic, four diameters out, and then graze the shell... He shrugged. Thrusters give us a little steerage, but even the sails won't actually be dragging us around on that sharp a turn. We'll be relying on the gravity to turn us, and it'll turn us a lot faster if we can get a lot closer. Behind me, I heard the chief speak the word that had surfaced in my mind. Brilliant. I turned to look at Mr. Paul. Can you thread that needle, Billy? His hands were moving before I got the sentence out. Yo-ho-ho, -ho, skipper, and a bottle of rum. The weight was shorter this time. He only had some minor adjustments to make on the plot. In three ticks, it was on the screen. 
This time the green line was interrupted by two yellow segments with an angry red bit in between where the bend on the course was the sharpest. Run it, Mr. Paul. We watched, and even though it was only a simulation plot, I held my breath as the ship made the loop and shot out the other side. I think we all breathed a sigh of relief when the corkscrew flattened out and the ship made the turn to run inward. The plot was longer again. The slingshot threw us downward a long way, and that had to be made up. When the icon in orbital met this time, the date was April 10th, around 2200. There was a general intake of breath before anybody spoke, but I broke the silence. Closer. They all looked to me. Mr. Paul spoke. It's the tenth, Skipper. Just barely, Mr. Paul, and I'll bet those parameters you're trusting are just estimates. Good estimates, but still guesses. I could see Miss Thomas nodding. She suddenly frowned and turned to Mr. Paul. Where are we meeting the planetoid, Mr. Paul? Are you plotting us over the pole? It wasn't precise language, but we all knew what she meant. Yes, the cord is angled to give us the most push down. Can you shave it? We don't want the same plane as the ecliptic, because that'll just throw us inward through the junk, but can you carve it maybe halfway, say 45 degrees? He frowned and stared at the plot on the overhead, but I knew he was thinking about the course. Let me see. A few ticks later, and a slightly different corkscrew pattern flashed up on the screen. It still had red and yellow bands, but the downward leg wasn't as pronounced. The running plot gave us April 9th at 2100. Several grins broke out around the bridge. The chief's wasn't one of them. What's the problem, chief? That red band, skipper. It's red for a reason, and I'm not sure we're going to like finding out what that reason is. Mr. Paul, parameters on the warning? He turned back to his screen. Initial dampener, skipper. Yellow is within 10% of safety margin. Red exceeds it. Maximum value shows 8% over maximum rating. I turned to the chief. Recommendations? She ran a hand across her mouth, and I could see the wheels spinning. That's cutting it very, very fine, Skipper. If we get away with it, the ship will get a good workout. If we don't, Chief, then the best case is the dampeners fail and we all become spacer-paced on the nearest hard surface. Mr. Schubert barked a laugh. That's best case, Chief? She nodded. Yeah, it'll be fast and over. I hated to ask, but morbid curiosity won out. Worst case, Chief? The ship breaks up without killing us outright, and we all get to experience dying in a vacuum. Mr. Paul broke the silence. That does seem a bit extreme, Captain. Your gift for understatement hasn't failed you yet, Mr. Paul. I turned to the plot. Pull back from the planet a bit. See if you can find a trajectory that doesn't have any red in it. I could see the chief nodding in approval. Mr. Paul turned back to his screen. This could take a while, ladies and gents, and I don't really work that well with an audience. Okay, Mr. Paul, we really don't want to joggle your elbow on this one. I think we can clear the bridge except for the watch. I'll call you all when we know something. I looked at Ms. Thomas. You're going to be back here soon enough to take the watch anyway. With luck, you'll have something we can, pardon the expression, live with. They took the hint, which is good, because as a rule, captain-generated hints carry the force of orders. The bridge cleared out, and I took my seat at the console. Mr. Paul continued to hammer keys, and I forced myself not to watch. I'll give him credit. It took him almost until the watch change, but he never wavered. Tabity tabity tab Wait. Curse. Repeat. 
The first few took him a while to plot up, but he soon had the process down, and the periods between curses grew quicker, if less vehement, as the watch wore on. In the end there was a wait, but no curse. I heard a few more keys, and another pause. A few more. Okay, Captain, you can look now. Thank you, Mr. Paul. You were doing those last few just to torture me, weren't you? He looked startled when I stood up from behind the console. No, Skipper, I would have if I'd thought of it, though, if that's any consolation. <laughs> Run it, Mr. Paul. Let's see what you've got. The path was twisty, but free of red. When Icon and Orbital met, the date read April 10th, 0200. Best I got, Skipper. Lay it in, but hold it until I can get the chief up here. I'm on it, Skipper. I called the chief and Miss Thomas to the bridge. My finger had barely cleared the keypad when they both bounded up the ladder. The plot was on the overhead. It took three runs before the chief nodded. Miss Thomas gave a shrug. If the chief says good, that's good enough for me, Skipper. The chief turned to Mr. Paul. If you'd run it once more, Mr. Paul... He did, and she stood up close. When it was over, she didn't look at him when she spoke. And if you'd zoom us in on the flyby, Mr. Paul... Freeze it at closest approach. He did so. She stepped back from the screen and uttered a single word. Good. Lock it in, Mr. Paul. When's our flyby? It's on the screen, Skipper. The date-time readout read March 25th at 0200. That's going to be a long night, I'm afraid. The chief looked up at me and snorted. Long is good, Captain. On that course, short is not an option we want to explore. There was no sign of the little girl on her face at all. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Chapter 39. Jet System, 2372, March 24th. I wasn't sure if the crew really understood the reality of what we were about to do. I wasn't sure I did, for that matter. Every time I tried to visualize it, I got the image of our relatively small ship playing chicken with a planet. We were going to actually fly at 
a 2,000-kilometer diameter rock. Try to miss it by more than 3,000 kilometers and less than 3,500 at a precise angle to the limb while closing at over 10 kilometers per second. The trick was going to be to fly fast enough and to catch the correct angle. Too slow, and instead of shooting us out the far side, we'd be grabbed by the planetoid. Too close, and we'd just be ripped apart by the stresses on the ship. Too far, and we'd be off course, out of position, and late to deliver. Assuming, of course, that we didn't just smack headlong into the surface. I didn't know which was worse. The idea of crashing my first command into a rock that I shouldn't be flying near, or that the last thing that would flash through my brain would be 15 metric kilotons of kitty litter. In spite of the potential pending doom, the crew seemed in high spirits at the prospect of a thrill ride, and on the 24th I had all three of the ratings wanting to take their exams. Rating exams happen all at the same time across the Western Annex. Every 90 days, training officers on ships underway and union halls on orbitals offered promotional ratings exams to anybody who wanted to take one. I'd had more than my share of them back on the Lois McKendrick, and I'd administered many more in the Stanyers since. Mr. Hill and I had the morning watch, the spare console on the bridge to administer the exams, and had Mr. Ricks report first. He took and passed the exam for Able Spacer. As I made the appropriate notations on his record, I noticed that it was the fourth time he'd taken and passed the exam. Try to hold on to it this time, Mr. Ricks. He grinned a lopsided grin. I'm thinking of moving up instead of down next time, Skipper. While I've got you here, Mr. Ricks, I realize we've been on a dead run ever since I came aboard, but what do you think we should do to improve morale aboard? Well, making lots of money has certainly improved my morale, Skipper. He was smiling. And things have certainly been interesting since you came aboard. My problem is I haven't a clue as to what might be possible. I pondered for a couple of heartbeats. Well, on other ships, I've seen morale officers work to improve the recreation facilities of the ship and intercede when some individual member of the crew was having a particularly hard time. He took his time replying to that one. You're doing a good job looking out for us, Skipper. Everybody in crew quarters seems pretty upbeat. He thought some more. As for recreation facilities aboard, the workout room is about the only thing, and other than the hot tub idea, I can't think of what else to add to it. The weight machine, treadmill, and rower are all first-rate. The only thing that's really missing is a stationary bicycle, and I'm not sure if anybody would notice. We both shrugged. Thank you, Mr. Ricks. If you think of anything, please let me know. Put your heads together in crew berthing there and check with Mr. Wyatt. See if he has any ideas. He seemed a bit startled by the notion, but nodded in agreement. Aye, aye, Captain. I can do that. Mr. Schubert came up and took his exam next. It was no surprise to me that he was going for a specialization in ship handling. It did surprise me that he was going for first class. In the earlier and admittedly hurried review of his crew records, I'd overlooked the fact that he already held second-class ship handler already. I asked him about it when he came up to the bridge. So why are you still on the Agamemnon, Mr. Schubert? With a second-class ticket, you could have found another berth. He shrugged. It's not as easy as it sounds, Skipper. When you're from the Agamemnon, well... Let's just say our reputation precedes us. He looked chagrined. Thinking back to my own reaction to the offer, I had to nod in agreement, if not in total sympathy. There's a certain justice in having to sleep in the bed you made, and the three of them certainly had a big hand in smoothing out the coverlet. Still, it wasn't entirely their fault. 
bad management and a cascade of errors were certainly as much to blame as anything they'd done. We'll have to try to reverse that, eh, Mr. Schubert? I don't know, Skipper. The way things are going here lately, seems like I might already be in a sweet berth. He smiled. <laughs> well, we'll see if you feel that way after tonight. We got down to it, and he worked very methodically through the exam. It took him the better part of two stands, and in the end he missed it. Not by much, but enough. I sat with him on the console, and we went through the sections. The math skunked you, Mr. Schubert. I pointed out the questions where he'd missed the most points. He sucked air through his teeth and shook his head slowly. Always been my problem, Captain. I thought I'd done enough studying to beat it. Well, no harm, no foul. When we get to Jet, remind me. I'll see if I can find some supplemental math work to help you beat that. Some of the questions didn't really seem that tough to me, but I was looking at it from the perspective of four years of academy math and Stanyers have practiced since. Thanks, Skipper. We had to wait until Mr. Paul and Mr. Ricks relieved us and lunch was over before Mr. Hill could take his cargo exam. He was just taking the third class test and passed it with flying colors. By 1400, the testing was over and I had a few stands before we went back on watch. Mr. Hill and I had the evening watch and we'd be going to navigation stations at the watch change at midnight. The flyby was expected around 0145 and I wanted everybody in place well in advance. Things were going to happen pretty quickly when they started and I wanted my people up and awake when they did. I headed down to the cabin after the last exam and found Chief Gearhart waiting for me outside my door. Got a tick, Skipper? The little girl had disappeared altogether after the performance on the bridge. The mask was, apparently, gone. Having been exposed to a large number of the crew, there was little point in continuing. Nobody made any comment that I'd heard, which was interesting in itself. Sure, Chief, come on in. I led the way into the cabin and indicated the chair. We sat, and she looked at me with an oddly appraising look across the desk. This is going to sound odd coming from me, Skipper, but are you mad? I don't think so. Mad about what, Chief? Not angry. Crazy. Oh, quite likely. Do you have anything in particular in mind? Why did you agree to this harebrained plan? Captain Health and Safety is going to fly his ship into a rock in pursuit of a few credits? Well, it was your idea, Chief. I know, Skipper. That's why I said it was going to sound odd coming from me. Have you thought about this? Really thought about it? I snorted a small laugh. I've had a hard time thinking of anything else. So why are you risking the ship? New captain stars choking the blood supply to the brain? She said it kindly, but there was a look of concern. You think it's too risky? Can the ship take it? It's a tractor, Skipper, not a battleship. We just don't have hard data on that kind of stress on the hull. The manufacturer's tests are over 25 stand years old. There's been a lot of deep dark pressing on this hull for a long time, and who knows how she's aged. Do we have any safety margins at all, Chief? We're in the yellow all the way in terms of the inertial dampeners. The physics check out as far as we know them. It's the as far as we know them part that gives me pause, Skipper. Yeah, me too, Chief. Then why? I sat back in my chair and thought about it. I'd been worrying ever since we decided to take the chance. Ever since I decided to take the chance. I swiveled my chair so I could look out at the deep dark. The planetoid was still too far away to see, but it was rushing towards us on a near collision course, closing the gap at 10 kilometers per second. Without turning back to her, I asked a question in reply. Why did you suggest it? 
I heard her sigh. I got caught up in the moment, Skipper. I could see it in my mind's eye, the solution. And in the excitement of seeing what this old girl can actually do in the hands of good crew, I just let it all go. I did turn back to her then. So what's changed your mind? Call it second thought. Even cold feet, if you like. I'm just trying to get a grip on the balance between risk and reward. If we do this and fail, we could all die. The cargo could be lost, the ship with it. That's a whole lot worse than losing money on a tight priority gone bad. The company has insurance to cover both those eventualities, but the immediate implications for us are considerably different. That sobering thought gave me serious pause. I let out a long breath and turned to look out the port again. They pay me to make a profit, she answered gently. They pay you to bring the ship back in one piece. This is crazy, isn't it? I said it without looking back at her. Weathering a storm that's caught you out is one thing, Skipper. Flying into a storm on purpose is another. I stood and crossed to the port. That rock was coming at us very, very fast. Our margins for error were slim, and the downside risks were catastrophic. The upside gain was money, a lot of money, but just money. After a couple of ticks, I realized she was still sitting in the chair. Thank you, Chief. I needed to hear that. Thank you for listening, Skipper. She stood, and I heard her walk across the cabin to the door. I need to get back to the girls and make sure they're okay. Give them a pat for me, Chief. Aye, aye, Skipper. There was a note of amusement in her voice. I stood looking out at the darkness, but I'm not sure what I saw. After a couple of ticks, I crossed to the terminal on my desk and started running numbers. Time was short, and I needed answers fast. Half a stand later, I climbed up to the bridge. Mr. Paul and I had some work to do. Somewhere in there, I realized that what they really paid me for was to make the hard decisions. This one really wasn't very hard to make, but it was going to be hell to follow through with. Thanks for listening to Captain's Share, a trader's tale from the golden age of the Solar Clipper. Music is the Mason's Apron and is used with permission of the artist J.F. Archer. Find this and other works by J.F. Archer at www.archive.org. This has been a presentation from Durandis, offered under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 U.S. License. For more information on the Golden Age, visit www.solarclipper.com. 